the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, the time, 614. There are three lines open. one 367 one If you want to uh, chime in on the topic, start another topic, turn the page. You can. We've got about 45 minutes to engage and fill our spiritual tanks, our rhetorical uh, hunger to engage on topics that can kind of just advance us down the line as people of God and uh, people of the world. I enjoyed that first hour and the analogy drawn out of it. Uh, We must continue to run this race with uh, patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Before I go to the phone lines and talk with uh, uh, Dan, I was uh, still working through, if you don't mind, the uh, Kobe Bryant uh, disaster and debacle and, and, and just tragedy, if you will. And all those words are, 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 are fitly chosen by me, debacle, disaster and tragedy, because one of the questions I asked after the uh, smoke cleared, no pun intended, was did he and they that were with him have to travel to the uh, to the to the game that his daughter was uh, going to be a part of and some of the other kids did they have to travel by means of helicopter uh, did they have to utilize that resource to go and of course a lot of us that are kind of uh, investigating what occurred are learning a lot of things about the complicated nature of local helicopter flight Well, the first thing I want to share with you is that Kobe Bryant is operating on the cutting edge of privilege, the cutting edge of privilege, meaning he has enough money, enough resources, enough finances to have his own helicopter service, his heli-transport service. That's what they would call it, or copter transport service. Wealthy people do that. Wealthy people have the ability to um, arrange the uh, rental and uh, purchase of and possession of either companies that helicopter you from uh, one place to another. And particularly in L.A. with all of the traffic being as harrowing as it is here in the Bay Area. It's apparent that Kobe had been utilizing this uh, transport helicopter for several years to go hither and yon. But as I began to investigate more deeply into it, ladies and gentlemen, the privilege that the wealthy have, because it will cost you anywhere from five grand to 10 grand to go a couple of miles. okay? particularly in in Southern California, five grand to 10 grand. All right. Easily. Um, Only uh, only certain kind of people have that kind of money. And of course, yes, an hour and a half driving the traffic down there on 415 and 404, I forget the numbers, 407, what have you. Very difficult, like the Bay Area, uh, an hour and a half to go somewhere versus 15 minutes to get there. If you've got the money to burn, you might utilize that resource. The problem is privilege always comes with liability. 
privilege always comes with liability. And the liability is that there have been several crashes over the decades of the same nature as that which occurred with Kobe and his family and those that were with him on that day. The fundamental liability of helicopter transportation uh, in a city like Los Angeles or here in the Bay Area is that there are areas in which fog occurs and takes away your visibility. And at that point, a lack of visibility in your flying requires you to be an impeccable pilot with skill sets that are exceptional. Otherwise, you are just another number in the uh, soon-to-be statistical probability rate of having a crash in the clouds. And that's what they say. So that there are quite a few pilots who said they would have never, ever flown in that kind of, of weather. That's what I was saying last week. When you have money uh, and you have the ability to... Uh, make the choices that poor people can. Sometimes those choices come with levels of res- responsibility and liability that are, uh, I think, um, un- not worth it. Just not worth it. Not worth it. When all the information comes in, ladies and gentlemen, what 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 some of us have assessed was they really just shouldn't have done it on that day. Just the, the, the quality of, of, of air and the quality of visibility was just the, the, the probability rate of an accident was phenomenally high. Phenomenally high. On the other hand, uh, Kobe was exercising a privilege that in a short while will be a normal common parlance. And that's car flights. Flying cars are here right now. Yep, flying cars are here right now. They've already got prototypes in all kinds of companies. And uh, in a moment, they will become commercial. Uh, With the kind of traffic we have in the Bay Area, that is unavoidable. With the kind of traffic we have around the world, that's unavoidable. We are in the Jetsons era. And uh, you can go online and look it up. And you're going to discover that what Kobe is doing and what other big wigs do, uh, there will be Airbuses. That will fly you 15 minutes away to other stations. They will be so prolific prolific in the air at 1,000 feet up, 1,200 feet up, 2,000 feet up. uh, It will look just like a traffic zone in the sky. And guess what else? They will all largely be automated driving machines. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, not only will you have uh, driverless cars in terms of not no human beings driving them to minimize liability again, uh, but you will have uh, automatic uh, artificial intelligence flying the cars over your head all throughout the cities and landing on heliports and, and copter ports and, and uh, spaces provided for them. That traffic is already in the makings. So uh, the way humanity works is that um, we we make progress through trial and error. We make progress through uh, discovery and uh, daunting experimentation that often leads to tragic outcomes. But the result and fruit of it is um, uh, safer uh, approaches to it, just as it was the case when the Wright brothers began to fly. 
all kinds of uh, naysayers were saying it would never, ever occur. Here we are flying all over the world to the tunes of thousands of airplanes in the sky 24-7. Let me go to line number one and talk with Dan and Simonoma and see what Dan's up to on our topic. Dan, what say ye, my brother? It was uh, one of the first questions you asked on the broadcast. I want to try to address a little bit sure. where the intersection is between uh, politics and law and uh, spiritual life. Yes. And that is, uh, I'm, I'm just afraid I might get tongue-tied, but deeds do not lead to proper motives. So whenever we as a nation, as a culture, as a country, try to regulate people's deeds, we are not able to get to the motives that bring the deeds about. But when you are uh, of a false religion or uh, secular, deeds do lead to changing motives. By, by carrying out a uh, work, it's going to eventually affect what you're thinking in your mind, even True. though the mind is where deeds originate, True. where the will is. By having a motive, is going to lead to a deed, but also it, it, when you try to approach God, the motives are really where, uh, where good works originate. Yep. Yep. And it's not going to, by crossing your eyes, you know, dotting your eyes and crossing your T's is not going to uh, bring about proper motives. Uh, and I, I just watch all this happening with a couple of things that we're getting stories about. You know about uh, Rush Limbaugh and about yep. the presidency and the impeachment. And yep. Where is this being addressed? Yep. Exactly. <clears throat> I'm with you. I'm with you. Develop it a little bit more because we got a few, we got a minute or two. I, I'd love to respond, but I, I want you to flesh it out just a tad more well, so we can carry it. Uh, this, carry now it. we're getting into my personal opinion, mm-hmm. oh, and, and, and and that's completely fine. But this is a free country. Freedom of speech allows us to air our personal and private judgments as long as we are willing to own that is just our opinion. I think the House did a lousy job drafting the articles. Mm-hmm. If it was a finance thing, that should have been sent back for the House to reevaluate and redraft the articles because they were very sloppily drafted. Agreed. So, um, and uh, we're going to have to see, you know, there was a statement by Rush Limbaugh today that he has a very personal relationship with God that he doesn't want to talk to people about very much. But I would know, you know, by watching him on his program, he makes the moral attacks and calls people morons and stuff, whatever names he epithets he hurls at people. I don't think I should be doing that, although it does take some analysis when you talk about somebody to describe them, and I'm sure you're careful with the words you choose to describe someone, but sometimes you have to be frank right. and, and make your point. Right. But still, you know, you don't want to do it so they are never going to listen to you again. So, um, Well, he's not evangelical. 
No. So, so I'll, tie, I'll, tie, I'll, I'll, I'll tie the bow on that, and, and I completely agree with you with the Senate and its, its debacle sham approach at wanting to deal with uh, President Trump. Uh, and you guys all know where I stand with the Trumpster. But in terms of what the Democrats are doing, this is all just to shame him and to, to, to denigrate him so that the possibility of him not having a second term won't occur. That won't happen. But, I mean, that's what Demis do in their utter desperation to overthrow what uh, what Trump's influence will be for the next four years on a philosophical level of addressing the fact that when we are talking about changing people's lives, they have to be changed at the level of motive. That is a gospel principle that you're sharing. And this is where many of our churches have collapsed uh, around the world in thinking that it can influence society and change society. I hear it all the time. Change the culture, change the society, change and influence the world for Jesus. And yet we are not recognizing that what has to be addressed is the impossibility of a change of the heart that requires a dynamic that comes only through the gospel and the spirit of the living God. When truth is preached authentically, genuinely, and candidly, not covertly packaged in a kind of man-centered, feel-good, emotional, felt-needs kind of rhetoric, because that approach denies the true symptoms and condition of humanity. So in the same way in which, as you are stating, Dan, that it is necessary for us to be aware of the danger of deeds being practiced and then propagandized to influence motives so that motives can be rearranged or blinded or, uh, if you will, channeled into a direction that's not healthy for the uh, observer. In the same way, if we're going to impact our world, for believers, it has to be rooted in a commitment to the game plan. Getting back to the 49er paradigm, as I'm about to deal with with the coach here in a moment. The game plan for the church must be to stick to the fundamentals. The fundamentals is what gets us down the road, as my brother Derek had earlier said, because the fundamentals have the capacity. They have the power. They have the resources to actually change lives. The moment that we take the playbook that the Lord gave us and switch it up with some newfangled playbook, we automatically set ourselves up for losing the game. The game will be lost by the church the moment that it abandons the word of God from Genesis to Revelation with its central uh, revelation or illuminating point and subject being the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as daunting as that task is... It is the only way for men and women to be saved, and that is the preaching of the authentic gospel of the grace of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The moment we alter that, we have lost the game. And the same thing with politics. If you're going to draft articles of incorporation of, uh, of, uh, of impeachment against someone, you better operate out of fundamentals that make you credible when you bring the charge. The proverb says, um, he that would bring a charge against his neighbor hastily will at the last walk away in shame with his tail between his legs. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you know, euphemizing the text there, but essentially it says, do not go and debate your cause with a debate with your neighbor publicly without a cause, lest in the end he shame you and you walk away uh, with your head down. And uh, well spoken, my brother. Listen, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, 
Um, three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Y'all hold on. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back at the time, 634 on <clears throat> this Monday edition of Lifeline, winding down into our last half hour. Want to invite you if you don't have a um a robust uh, weekday Bible study to join us on Fridays at uh, 8 o'clock at uh, Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We are in the book of Ephesians having a wonderful time comprehending the infinitude of God's love towards us in Ephesians chapter 3 headed towards chapter 4. Um, and if you just haven't had for a while a kind of Bible study that not only takes you deeply into exposition, but richly into exhortation, come on out on Friday nights and, uh, and join us uh, as we study the Word of God. Folks come out from many different places. It's uh, free for all. You're welcome to join us. Then we have a, a very uh, instructive men's meeting on Saturday nights. I'm teaching what I call uh, hermeletics, <clears throat> and it's a combination between hermeneutics in homiletics, and that is how to both interpret the scriptures and then communicate them as well. Obviously, using a rich and deep and profound biblical approach to communicating the word of God and communicating it rightly. And if you are hungering to develop and hone your skills around that, uh, join us. I got a lineup of men that uh, are basically uh, being mentored along these lines. So you will uh, have uh, several experienced um several experiences with young men that are aspiring to be good teachers and good preachers of the word of God. Saturday nights at Grace Bible Church, doors open at 6.30. We get started at 7.30, praise and worship, proclamation, and then we do what is called uh, a fifth quarter where we begin to unpack the message and talk about how it impacted all of us and enjoy growing together as men in the word of God. Like no other time in our nation's history are we in need of men who are strong in the word. We are in need of it. Our local churches have uh, a very, uh, uh, you know, sad reputation along the lines of men not being hungry for the word of God. Are women absolutely hungry? Every time we open our doors for women events, hundreds of them come out. Our men, boy, I'll tell you, we're like in the days of judges In the days of Deborah, men were scarce everywhere, hiding when it came to being committed to growing in God's word and becoming one of the four characteristics of the Hebrew man. The Hebrew man has four characteristics, that of manliness, of being a husband, of being a warrior, and then also being a lover. Uh, Those four qualities. He's a man that provides. He's a warrior that protects. He is a a bridegroom that uh, enjoys his bride with the prospect of producing uh, uh, children. And he is he is that that provider of the home. Uh, That's the quality of manhood that you can have when you have a, a broad understanding of biblical truth when it comes to men. Uh, let me go to line number two and talk with my brother uh, way out on the other end of Hercules. Are you there, Coach? I am here, Pastor. Are you at home? I am at home. Good, good. Holla at me, man. I, I don't know how long you've been listening, but we've had a, a really good time in the first hour deconstructing and making redemptive application 
to yesterday's game. So help us out, man. I mean, I think we we made a fair assessment, but I am eager to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I, I caught the tail end of uh, you and the pastor. Okay. Um, and I thought that was really rich. Good. Really, really rich. Good, good. Um, so let me see if I can just um, move the ball down the field a little bit in my observation. Amen. Um, the Shanahan, Coach Shanahan, has had a propensity in several games prior to this. Mm-hmm. So what appears to be letting his, his foot off the gas okay. when the 49ers get ahead. Right. And when you look back at his uh, background, when he was offensive coordinator at Atlanta, right. he had Tom Brady and the Patriots uh, down 28-3 to three or so, and it, it appeared he mismanaged that opportunity. And so when you look at that, you, you have to wonder whether or not he's um, able to, um, to manage himself, his emotions, right. in those critical times. And so it, it, um, it's so apparent to me, um, and my wife and I watch, that you know, our church theme this year is 2 Corinthians 6, 1, as co-labors with him. Yeah. And, and it, it appears to me that he doesn't have anyone really close to pull him in, to rein him in in those moments, so that he will, he will continue to accelerate the effort that's being put out on the field. Now I heard. Now I heard that in uh, you know in the main office. I heard one of the owners uh, symbolizing timeout, timeout, call a timeout. That's what I heard. I heard that with Stephen A. and them this morning on uh, on on first take that uh, somebody in the main office was saying you need to call a timeout, and he ignored it. Oh uh, yes, I actually saw. Um, it was uh, our GM, yeah, uh, John Lynch. Yep, and so you know. It's when you've been in the fight, so to speak, and you know in yeah. athletics, yeah. there's a time, there's a an op, there's a time where you have to like regather your faculty, absolutely, and collaborate with everybody. Go, wait a minute, now what what are we trying to do here to finish? Right, and and um, Coach uh, Bill Walsh, the 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 architect of the Forty Niners uh, many Super Bowls always talked about having a contingency plan, preparing for those moments. Right. Because emotionally, you might not be able to gather yourself. So having something already put together, this is what we do to finish a game when we're winning. Yep. These are our plays. This is our thought process. This is our strategy. Yep. We're winning. Yep. Look at the clock. Look at our opponent. What do we need? It's not a play. It's a – it's um, – a model. Yep. And so Coach Shanahan tends to go into that um, that mode of just continuing to call plays without looking up and going, "Wait a minute, what do I need?" Right. Now, when well, that when yeah, when that I, I appreciate that insight, and you know, you being a coach, you know something about that on a ground level, the dynamics of it on an emotional level as well, being in the middle of that storm, the essential. Uh, benefit of collaboration uh, actually liberates you from being the sole uh, cause of any kind of uh, loss or um, 
um, are, are setback because if you are used to saying to your constituents, your collaborative uh, partners, hey, you know, uh, what do you see that I don't see? Fellas, how should we handle this? We got to lead. But uh, what what are your thoughts here? Are there some weaknesses that I'm not I'm not quite looking at? And the fact that he did not listen to Lynch tells me that there was a weak link in their collaborative system, because it's one thing to uh to to get uh the the uh, the deer in the headlight syndrome and freeze cuz we're going to either fight freeze or flee um once you freeze then you have to be ready for somebody to break that unfreeze you and someone has to have authority or influence to be able to unfreeze you when you get stuck and it appeared that the GM was ready to make that happen and he ignored him now, if that's the case, he's not not only not collaborating, he's actually rebelling against an essential safeguard that would protect his job once the debacle has its way in, 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 in the game. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. That's a great assessment. The only, the only thing about that is in the actual technical um, managing of that, the GM is not on the headsets with him. He doesn't have that that real-time access. He was like every other fan going, wait a minute. I think we might need a timeout. We need to huddle up. In that regard, then, we have a structural impediment. We have a structural Correct. problem because the GM Correct. should be able to send a signal, a soft signal that makes its way to the coach because he's in a bird's eye view with uh, with a position that can be helpful, that can be helpful. A bird's eye view allows yep. men to see things with a broader objectivity. And then he's yep. a GM. John Lynch is a GM. He's been around long enough to know how this works. So, so think about this for a minute with me. John Lynch was a finalist in the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting. Right. And has a Super Bowl ring. Right. You want access with someone like that. Absolutely. You don't want to disconnect. And then when you look at it, people say about his dad who had um, multiple Super Bowls with Denver. And that, that pre-game collaboration yep. between him and his dad, yep. very healthy. Yep. Very healthy. Yep. But, but once you, you st- take a step back, his dad won – Two Super Bowls with John Elway, Hall of Famer. Right. Shannon Sharp, yep. Hall of Famer. Yep. Terrell Davis, yep. Hall of Famer. Yep. And then the new inductee, um, Steve Atwa, Hall yep. of Famer. He had four Hall of Famers. Now, we currently have no Hall of Famers on our roster. See? And that's a big, that's a big chasm when, you, when you're looking at um, going against someone like Patrick Mahomes, who would, who is a generational talent, and quite frankly, like that. and quite frankly, going against the coach, that coach for yep. KC is yep. no joke. That that dude's a bulldog that's been in the game for decades, and he only needed one more 
uh, stripe on his uh, on his uniform to put him yep. uh, on the top, and he was going for yep. it. He was not he was gonna. Going he was not going to miss this opportunity. And quite frankly, I got to take a break. You hold on for a second. I want to finish up with you, if you don't mind. Okay. I got to take a break, pay some bills, and then we'll close up and make a gospel application on this. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host Jesse Giston. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time is 6.50. We will be wrapping up this episode and today's um, joyful reflection, redemptive application of uh, our uh, 49ers um, well-played season and uh, surprisingly uh, predictable outcome. Coach, um, Andy Reid, uh he he seems to me to be a very uh disciplined coach had success you know gradual success up the ranks uh to yeah. where becoming the coach for Kansas City um just to kind of do that that you know has his fundamentals down good head on his shoulder doesn't doesn't operate out of extremes in my opinion and uh and is deserving of this win what what's your thought about him yeah, no, that's a good assessment of, of Andy. I, I I don't know him personally, but I, I know his circle right. and um he has he's labored um to get to this point. He had a lot of um opportunities when he was with Philadelphia as the head coach and he came up short. Right. So he he knows a lot about um setbacks. And so uh, one of the things that he's he's known for is being what's called a player's coach. Yeah, guys really like him. Yeah, he's um, he has developed relationships well with his team. So his team played hard for him, and uh, and his quarterback um, and him really. And, and this was another observation I had: the collaboration between his young quarterback and him. When you see him on the sidelines. He's right near his quarterback. Yep. <clears throat> trying to trying to gather data from him or give data to him. Yep. And that collaboration. If you ever watch Shanahan, he's never with Jimmy G. I saw it. I saw it. There's a distance. Yep. And, and and I don't know if that's his personality, makeup or what, but but that that young quarterback, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, is really he's really bereft of having that connection yep. that's needed. And you know, my wife and I always talks about my wife and I talk about he's really like a rookie. He yep. spent all his time behind Brady. Sure, that's one thing to be behind someone. It's another thing to actually be participating. Agreed. And so he doesn't really he needs that nurturing that it's okay. Um, so yeah, so so Andy Reid, I think um, well deserving, um, has a very um, loose kind of discipline, right. discipline nonetheless. Right. But lets people be who they they um, feel necessary to be as 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 men to get the job done. Well, and, uh, and, and what heavy handed, right? And what in that statement that, however, when we bring that into the principles of collaboration, quite frankly. Uh, in leadership position as I am for a long time now, I understand how important uh, uh, character 
in relationship with personalities are. And you know what I mean. I mean, yep. we have several subsections of our, our church ministry that require wisdom in the engagement of, of, of subsets, you know, in our music yep. ministry. Same thing, as yep. you know, the dynamics. If we're ever going to pull off a... Uh, a concerto, an effort of harmony and unity that that brings about uh, a, a musical enjoyment on the part of our our, our audience uh, is going to be the consequence of successful collaboration. And what happens with a, a coach like Andy Reid uh, losing or coming short so many times is personal self-assessment that can lead to a necessary breakdown and analysis of your weaknesses. And then, like me and Derek talked about, a modification of your personality, a modification of your value systems, a modification of your priorities, so as to now be more effective in the area that is most essential, and that is relationship. So what a lot of times God allows to occur in our lives is limited measures of failure that's essential to our humility, that humility works in us values that allow us now to pay attention to other things than we may have in the past, things that are more essential to a holistic uh, development and progression of success, i.e. relationships. So when I look at Reed, and like you said, he looks comfortable listening to his players. His players look comfortable uh, talking to him and being themselves around him like a bunch of kids they were and are in most of the games around the coach. It wasn't like, you know, the Red Sea parting when the coach comes in. And uh, then when you're gifted, and I know this is what happened, he was simply gifted with a young quarterback who absolutely has everything to take that old man over the top. Gifted. Yes. And with yes. and with all that, Reed was ready to let that young man unfurl all of his new bound up energy, his new bound up zeal, his 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 lack of experience of of failure, which can also be, you know, an advantage because Mahone just has this relentless confidence, you know, no matter what. And uh, the joy that he exhibited yesterday in the simplicity of being happy and saying, man, coach just said, you know, just keep being us. Just be us, man. Let's just let us be us. And, you know, and it worked out for us. You know, that says it all in terms of the coach's confidence in them, their confidence in him, and their ability to understand what it takes to actually pound at the opponent until you find that weakness and then, you know, capitalize on it. Pastor, that's such a great assessment. You you talk about often us, because um, I'm going to pivot this over from a biblical perspective of getting in a pit with someone right. when we're evangelizing, right? And just to be and and to to, to be um, um, connected with your brothers in Christ, where if if they hurt, you hurt. Yep. And if they're joyous and and have accomplishments, we felt like we've all had um, a benefit just by watching them benefit. Absolutely. We just benefited our lives. Absolutely. And so, and so I heard Patrick Mahone say this. This, this is very insightful. He, they asked him, it wasn't one of your best outings, but you closed. You finished well. I heard you say that. You finished well. Right. He said, I'm so happy I played college ball 
in the Big 12, which is a real passing conference. Absolutely. Said, I'm used to throwing a lot of interceptions. Yep. He said, and you know what I always did afterwards? I just got back on the field and kept swinging. <laughs> See? He said, Andy Reid said, son, don't worry about those mistakes. Just keep swinging. Yep. That freed him. Yep. Now the question is, was there any conversation like that to Jimmy, to our quarterback? 100%. 100%. That is the dialogue to have now for the 49ers between now and next year because to, to help your young rookie quarterback get beyond his rookiness, he has to make mistakes at a more opportune time. He has to be free to make mistakes earlier in the season in order to know if he even has the capacity to throw a long ball with some accuracy of uh, Tom Brady, uh, of some of the other guys, which right now I don't see that with him. I just don't see him throwing the long ball right. Listen. You, you saw it. You got it. Yep. That was so that's a great, insightful um, uh, the thing that you just picked up on. And I love how just just how you do for us in the fifth quarter when men get up to speak yep. and, and have, have had a talk and a dialogue with other men, the assessment that you make and the collaboration to help them grow afterwards so they're not just left wondering did I do a good job or exactly not? exactly the whole goal for all of us is to be able to take mistakes learn from them and and build into each other encouragement listen man I gotta go thank you for hanging in and finishing with us on today's uh Monday edition of Lifeline it was a privilege yes, brother sir. see you real soon uh, that was it, you guys. Uh, I hope that you were able to take a vanity call sports and understand some redemptive principles out of it because we can learn from everything that goes on in our world when our eyes are wide open to a God who has entered into time and space in order to redeem us in these things and through these things. So until next time, keep your eyes on the captain of your salvation. He has shown us the way to the finish line. Guaranteed it as long as we keep our eyes on him. Fundamentals. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.